Hey everyone, welcome to our newest episode of Untucked. Today, um, during Coach's Corner, we're going to talk about kind of some of the, the sentiment generally of our, of our year-end client meetings, uh, kind of given where the market um, has been this year, we thought it would be a good idea to reflect on some of the conversations we're having. Um, we are going to discuss the FTX uh, situation. Um, we recorded this before SBF was um, was arrested, but um, we do have some some time spent on that. Um, and then finally, we are going to discuss remakes in Hollywood and um, our our thoughts on them. Thank you for rocking with us this year. We're looking forward to recording more episodes in 2023. We hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next year. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and they do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 76 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. This is Jeff. So contrary popular belief your heart does not stop when you sneeze you guys have ever heard that like no no you've never heard that wives tale like your heart skips or stops when you like that's why you say god bless you because your heart stopped oh didn't know that your heart did not know that It, it, it doesn't stop it kind of like skips a beat or flutters maybe like but doesn't stop but we say, God bless you. Part of that was also like myth, like um, back when the bubonic, bubonic plague was mm. happening. Mm-hmm. One of the symptoms was like coughing and sneezing. Okay. So when someone sneezed, they would say, or yeah, sneeze, they'd say, God bless you, to hope that you won't get the plague and die. Okay. Yeah. A little less serious these days than when the plague was around. Yeah. Much less serious. Cool. I tried looking for maybe a, a more holiday festive. <laughs> Fun fact: like I was googling, like why do we put Christmas trees in our house and then decorate them? Why do we? Why do we hang Christmas lights? Yeah, there was nothing like really good out there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they used to like put like obviously before electricity, they put like candles on the tree, mm. and then they would light it for mm-hmm. a little bit, look at it, and then they have to blow all the candles out so it doesn't burn the tree down <laughs> nothing nothing really exciting to talk about all right Christmassy. well then i guess we'll just dive into philly sports it's been a couple of weeks since our last pod so so much to talk about um i guess we'll just talk about the birds trey turner oh. philly <laughs> it's too early dude they just signed trey turner you gotta talk about it we at least have to like mention it it's huge. Okay. Zach Eflin, gone. Segura, gone. Look at this lineup from top to bottom. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. All right. That's all we got on the fills. Yep. So the birds are 12-1. and one. That's correct. Yeah, pretty Secure, dominant. Secured a playoff spot. Clinched. Yep. It's exciting. Who's going to beat them? The commanders? No. Didn't they beat the birds? Yeah. They're their one loss. You mean who's going to beat them in the playoffs? Who's going to beat them in the playoffs? Yeah. I think they beat Kansas City. Wow. Yeah, I'm not afraid of Kansas right. City. Well, let's get there first. Right? Yeah, because that would be the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. 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 You don't see anybody in the AFC or NFC? No. No. Who? Yeah. The NFC? It's terrible. Are the, uh, the Niners NFC? Yeah. Okay. Vikings? I don't know. They don't really scare me. Yeah. I think we handle them. We'll see. Bills, Kansas City, I think I think they can beat both of them. I'm not scared. Of, I, there's no one in the league that I'm afraid of. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time you were this confident was the pod before they lost to the Commanders. Okay. <laughs> you can't be right all the time. <laughs> Um, Trying to remind you how spot on I was with the Phillies. Barring no major injuries or changes, we like 
What about you, Mike? You like them? I mean, they're they're just they. I mean, you just watch them play, and they can basically do whatever they want yeah. offensively. Um, their offensive line is so good; it's crazy. And yeah, I mean, they look unstoppable for sure right now. But yeah, you know, an injury here, there, or just bad luck, or yeah, a bad outing or something. Um, and, you know, dude, dude, NFL it's one and done in the yeah. playoffs. That's the thing. ESPN so. has um, favored to win the Super Bowl, Dallas Cowboys. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. And that's the birds next game. Oh, no, they play the Bears, then the Cowboys, Bears, right? Bears boys. Bears girls, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that I'm looking forward to the Christmas. Like, I'm looking past the Bears. Yeah. Obviously, watch them lose that game. Yeah. Um, I, although I don't see how that's even possible. And then I would love to see them just whoop up on the Cowgirls on Christmas Eve. So if they go into the final, is that the final game, regular season? No. Oh, no, I'm sorry. New Year's Day, they play the Saints. Okay, so let's say that that game is meaningless. Are you in favor of sitting everybody? Um, At this point, if that game is meaningless, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd rest people. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, at that point, I don't don't care if we beat the Cowboys. If it's a meaningless game and we're not going to have our starters or we're going to rest like some of our key components like A.J. Brown, yeah. Jalen, yeah. let the line go out there for like a few play, a few uh, series and then, and then call Shut it, it down. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. Unless, I mean, the only uh, is if they can get home field advantage. Like if they, if they haven't secured sure. home field advantage, mm-hmm. I want that. Right. Where are we with the Sixers? I mean, did, I heard I, – I I've kind of tuned out with the Sixers yeah. recently, but – Joel dropped like 53? Yeah, last night. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was that against the Lakers? No, they played the Lakers on Friday night and won in overtime. Didn't watch that game, but they had like a 16-point lead that evaporated, and then they won in overtime. Yeah, so everybody was calling for Doc's head, which has been pretty much the most consistent critique of this team this year. Um and then they played Charlotte yesterday, and Joe dropped 53. Wow. Yeah. He's just, I mean, dominating. So let's back it up a little bit. I mean, it's pretty, pretty been, been pretty consistent, I'd say, the last two or three years that people have been like, okay, we're kind of over Doc. Yeah, but it, it feels like, at least for me, that the, it's the most – consistent critique this year like you're not hearing the grumblings of other things and most of that's been injuries have plagued them so we've kind of most people have chalked up like some losses to the fact that Maxie's out Harden's out Joe was sick and came you know didn't have a great start to the year because of whatever plantar fasciitis so instead of like there always being a Ben problem or a Joe problem this one is like it's Doc's problem Right. There's nothing else to point the finger at at this point. I mean, aside from, like, the makeup of the team and the personnel, but, like, you can't do anything about that day in and day out. Right. Like, yeah, he's been the most consistent problem. And, like, there was a, a spurt there where Maxie Harden and Joe all weren't playing and the bench was awesome. And it was, you know, well – some people, doc apologists, were like, "Look what he's getting out of these guys! Like, what is? Look what he's their bench is actually winning games, yada yada yada." But it's just he historically has he shortens his bench. He plays people really, really like too many minutes. I mean, Harden came back after a foot injury and played like forty-two minutes in his first game back. Like, so the the criticism hasn't strayed despite what he has gotten out of the bench, which is a shame because Shake's playing well. You know, they've gotten guys to really step up, but I just don't think it it's not enough to, like, absolve Doc for minutes, decision-making. Um, and I just feel like that's going to be kind of – the story of this season like you're gonna have a 53 point night from joe and people are still gonna be like doc can't coach a winning like a a team that's gonna get out of the playoffs you think doc makes it through the season (sighs) unfortunately yeah i think he does because i think they do enough for them to place blame elsewhere right like 
Joe's too good for it the situation to be so bad that they're like they're gonna fire Doc. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then Doc's not good enough to actually win when they need to win. Do you I mean there's no way Doc's here next year if they don't make it through past the second round, right? I don't know. People love him, dude. I mean not not fans. Right. <laughs> like he's just so he's so highly regarded in the NBA community. Um so so I don't know. Uh I would love to see Sam Cassell, you know, who's already on the bench just be promoted to that lead role so they wouldn't have to necessarily do this like full hunt, you know, for the next guy. Um but Doc is He's a figurehead, and I just there there it just seems like too much. I don't know, like like there's too much that would have to happen for him to get fired. Yeah. So it's a little bit like frustrating because you like we've seen it before, right? Like even though there's 82 games to play in the season, you kind of know where they're gonna be this early on, and it's frustrating. Yeah. So hopefully the dynamic of the team changes before the playoffs. Yeah. They need another piece. Yeah. Hopefully everybody gets healthy. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get the same result. Yeah. Yep. Fly guys have been fairly disappointing. They're, they're what we thought they would be, which is one of the worst teams in the league. They're hard to watch. They just don't, they're just so underskilled compared to the, the rest of the league, it's painful. Um, so, where do they go from here? Like, they aren't they unloaded a lot of talent, right? So, are they trying to just build a team up from their prospects? They have to. I mean, Couturier being out is is huge, and they're just going to have to get lucky with draft picks and developing guys that are in the system that maybe are better than than they thought. It's it's a long way, man. They're a long way from being good. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to come here. Right. Right. No one's going to ask me to trade it to Philly. Yeah, exactly. Well, they better hurry it up, man. I mean, how long do goalies stay in the league? A while, right? But Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that will happen is they'll, they'll fire Fletcher, the GM, and find somebody else and try to rebuild this team in a different way. I, I, I don't know. It's It's hard to watch. It's like right in time for you to get your your season ticket package, right? <laughs> yeah, I went to two games last week. Ooh. Yeah, Star Wars night, Star right? Wars night. Yeah. God. God. I still don't, I don't want to think about that. That's you're that's reeling brutal. from Star Wars. Yeah. Night. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not much to say. It's just it, you know they're they're bad. Want to get in coach's corner? Let's do it. So. <clears throat> This likely being our last pot of the year, we wanted to take the opportunity to kind of summarize and, and maybe talk through the client meetings we've recently been having um, with the year that the market has had. Um, how are our clients' feelings? Are feeling? What are some of the commons, que- common questions or concerns that we've we've gotten? Um, do we notice a difference between kind of the clients in different life stages in the way that the 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 market has treated them or how they're reacting to it and then is there anything that we should be we should be our clients should be thinking about doing kind of proactively so how about maybe general sentiment we'll start with that yeah i think uh, as far as financial coach group clients i think the sentiment's been pretty good i think all year long the majority of our clients have kind of held up fairly well from the standpoint of not getting too rattled about the market. I mean, there's always the outliers sure. who kind of get a little freaked out. But um, I think most of our older clients who have established wealth um, have been riding through this fairly well from an emotional standpoint. I attribute that to they had a plan. They Maybe not, maybe they didn't remember what the plan was, but when, once reminded, um, we're, are, are able to get through it. The sentiment with our younger clients that I've noticed has been the effects of like everything costs more and how expensive it is to kind of just get through life and how much everything costs. That's the vibe I've been getting. I don't know if you guys have gotten something different. I would agree on both of those points. Additionally, with younger clients, 
um, there's been a lot more like concern. Um, Market concern? Yeah. And, you know, a lot more questions of what are we going to do? What should we be doing? And I think that's probably a reflection of the fact that many of those clients as investors just haven't been here before, right? Like if we're talking about a 35 to 40 year old, this is the first time where they've really, because they were really kind of coming out of 08, getting started professionally. Um, so this is the first time that they've seen such, I would say, significant volatility for the length of time that we've experienced it being like a full, you know, 12 months basically. Um, and right, it's the most money they've ever made, the most money they've ever stayed, ever earned, saved. So the sentiment with our younger clients, which is interesting considering they're still working, they're still contributing, right? Um, they're not living off of this stuff like our retired clients are, but because they haven't experienced market conditions like this before, um, or maybe without as much capital of, of consequence, um, I've had a lot more kind of like, I've had to do a lot more reassuring, I would say, with that group of people. Do you think a part of that is they're paying for advice for one of the first times in their lives and what we should be doing something is kind of the feeling, hey, what are we doing? We should be doing something. Um, I'm paying you. What do we do? I don't – I haven't interpreted it that way. Okay. Uh, I, I, I've certainly like – they're looking for guidance, at, but it, it's – I personally, I'm, I'm kind of interpreting as like, even if you say we don't do anything, that's okay. I just need to hear you say it, right? right? Our retired clients have heard it from us so much that they kind of beat us to the punch, right? Like they'll, they're going to ask the question, should we be doing anything? But they, they add the caveat, Meg, I already know what you're going to say. Right. Our non-retired clients, the new wealth clients who haven't heard that as much. It hasn't been coached into them as much. You know, they they haven't experienced their 401k dropping by 25%. Um, it, it, they need to hear it. So it's not as much like, oh, I thought your value prop was you were going to do something to prevent this or to minimize that. It was just remind us why we're invested the way we are, remind us why we have the contingencies that we do. I think it's just hearing the plan kind of repeated to them. Yeah, I think um, like when you look at the context of recent market downturns, go back to like 08, 09, that was pretty confined to the financial crisis and the housing market. Um, it wasn't like a widespread, it really wasn't a widespread issue yeah. outside of that sector. But yet it still caused a lot of really short-term pain, I would say. And then the COVID period, was short-lived, very dramatic, mm -hmm. but most people weren't worried about their portfolio. Right. They were worried about, oh, am I going to be alive? You yeah. know, um, I think I think right now we're in. A, a, I, I sense and feel there's a little bit of um, there's a lot more concern around what's going on in the world, mm -hmm. politically, culturally. Um, you know, you name it, because there's a lot going on, and I think a lot of people have more are are, are kind of more concerned about all of that stuff and not just, you know, we're down, you know, 15% this year. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I get that feeling a little bit. And, and obviously some, some clients are way more sure, you know, chirping about all that stuff than others. But, um, you know, we talk all the time about like we show people, you know, this is what the headline du jour was back mm -hmm. in, you know, going back you know, forever. And it's always something different, but this, this one's, this, this, there's a lot going on like mm -hmm. right now. It's interesting how all of that global stuff that's happening gets mixed and related to markets. Mm -hmm. right? People come in and they're like, well, look at everything that's happening in the world and how that's affecting the market when the two aren't really correlated. Well, I mean, inflation certainly is. Like sure. the inflation but problem, the Ukraine which is probably. And Russia and elections. I mean, that's not, that doesn't drive the market. I know it. It's, the, a, it's certainly a factor. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the human condition, right? We're, we're naturally inclined to make that connection, even if there really isn't one. 
because it's easier for us to un- to us to like attach bad thing with bad thing. Most people don't understand the underlying mechanics of the market or of how economies impacted by stimulus and then inflation and then like putting those together is above most people's pay grade. So it's far easier to see red and then it's like Russian Ukraine, right? Like I, I think that's just how we how we like try to solve things, even if it doesn't make sense. I think it's a natural like response of by people to try to find a connection even if there isn't one. And the market is a constant. It's always there. It's always going to be there. All these other things that are happening, that's all they are. They're things. They happen. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Most times the market's up. Sometimes it's down. Like there is no – I understand there's a lot of variables that make the market do what they do. And these other global events that are happening do influence it, but none of them. It's it's a completely separate issue. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why it's unpredictable because you cannot mash together five hundred factors that mm-hmm. are going on and come out of that with like a, a definitive. This is what's going to happen to asset prices. You just can't do it. Yeah, so I I understand, and I'm I'm, I'm I don't want to use the term shock to hear you say what you just said, Meg, but. Um, it's totally cool to come in here and be upset and feel anxious about what's happening in the world and, and how that makes you feel. If I'm a younger client, okay, that, that's one thing. But then, man, how about this market? I'm buying stuff at 25%. Like, that's a good thing. Like, you're accumulating. These are great years to be an accumulator. Like, what? why does that even? I'm, I'm, I'm amazed to hear that they need coaching on that because I think it's one of the basics of investing which is buy low and now's an opportunity opportunity to do that why wouldn't they be more pumped up about that Uh, again i think it's because it's the first time they've they've experienced it um one of one of our clients said i've lost more than i've even contributed right so it's somebody who's maxing their 401k and let's say they've put in the twenty thousand dollars or whatever the number is this year it's like i've put in 20 and I have 80 less. Like, it's just, it's numbers they've never seen. But isn't that awesome? That means you had lots of profits. Right. If you've lost more than you've put in. And all you can say all of those things. Right. It doesn't change the nature of what they're experiencing. Um, and again, I think it, none of it has been like, I didn't know this is how it, wor- it works or it's not what I expected. Because like we do with everybody, we prepare for this. We don't predict it. It's just the first time I think most of them are seeing it or paying attention to it. And maybe that's part of it too. You know, in 08, 09, like you didn't have all of this screaming at you, all of the media and the blaring of yeah. of, of all of this. So even if you were in in it then, you, you probably just didn't notice it as much. Right. And we are just in this world where you're inundated with it right like people somebody one of our clients he's 35 he like quoted what the dow was trading on in 2008 i was like he's like oh i saw it on the screen like they were making comparisons i guess to 08 or something and i'm like you were in college (laughs) right like it it didn't matter (laughs) um so i think that's i think that's the biggest and this this is good because the next time it happens they feel a little less concerned the time after that they feel a little less concerned and they understand you know, recovery and what the opportunity, the buying opportunity that they have, how that'll actually translate. But I just think that feels one far off. Um, and two, I, I just, it, it doesn't make you feel as good, even if you understand it. If you can get through these times with clients and they stay clients, they're great teaching moments and they're mm-hmm. great experiences because when it happens in 2030, they go, oh, I remember, but yeah, yeah, I do remember 2022 and you told us to stay, stay in it and to keep adding and, you know, look how far we've come since then. Yeah. It's just, you have to have, as we always say that kind of long-term vision and long-term plan because the short stuff is meaningless. Has there been like any common or regular questions that you guys have gotten? I mean, I, I've gotten, you know, when's it going to end? Or that's, that's that's the one. What what do you think? Like, what do you think's gonna next year is gonna be like? And again, 
mostly clarified with the, I know you can't answer this question or, you know, when I say, I don't know, they're like, okay, that's what I thought you were going to say. But that seems to be the most common question I've gotten is some, some way of phrasing around like, please predict for me when this will get better. I've heard a lot of, I think this is, is all year long. I think we're kind of at the bottom now. I think it's turning <laughs> and it's been all year since the summer till now. Yeah. Continued. I think, I think we're, I think we're at the bottom. I think it's starting to turn the other way now. Yeah. And it just dropped. Yeah. And I think one of the, I mean, I know Maggie, you've been in some meetings with me on this. Like one of the things to remind people is that when you have, when you have markets that take out a lot of companies, specifically that ones that were shitty to begin with and never deserved to have the values that they had, that's a good thing because they end up getting replaced by stronger, healthier companies in whatever fund or index yeah. that you're holding it in. And that, and over time, that's that works to the benefit. Like you don't want a whole bunch of unhealthy, you know, snap or um, I'm just looking at a couple here, Zoom, which was wildly overvalued, yeah. you know, coming out of the uh, COVID thing. So I think that that's like, and that's happening across all, you know, industries and it happens more more um, frequently in these kinds of markets, and and that's all. That's over time. It's a good thing. The calling, calling the herd, or whatever you want to call it, it's it's positive. Well, so I guess in that vein, thinking about like all of the negative headlines, events that have caused lots of volatility for a number of reasons this year, then we have this event in the crypto markets where, and I'm, I'm gonna use phrases that I'm not confident actually describe it, so please correct me, but like an exchange goes out of business and people's capital is gone. So Mike, help me on this. If you wanted to buy Bitcoin or any kind of cryptocurrency, I thought you went to like Coinbase. Yeah, Coinbase is an exchange or a platform, you, you, whatever okay, you want to call it. I thought of Coinbase as an exchange. All, when you use the term exchange, I think of like like a stock exchange. Yeah, but similar. It's, it's where you thing. go to buy and sell the whatever is being traded on that platform. And just like we have multiple stock exchanges, mm -hmm. there are also multiple exchanges where you can buy and sell cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Correct. All the different kinds of cryptocurrency. Yep. Okay. And very lightly or maybe not at all regulated yet. And the SEC is trying to figure that out. Um, so FTX kind of came out of nowhere um, and was heavily promoted as a better version of an exchange than Coinbase. Faster, cheaper to trade, whatever it was. And this loser, uh, SBF, whatever, Sam Bankman, Blankman Freed, Freed or whatever, yeah. um, was the guy behind it. And he's just a complete, utter piece of trash. Um, but he he got he got a lot of like you know Tom Brady had uh, Steph Curry um, as paid spokespeople promoting this thing, and then he also got a ton of investment from major like Sequoia Capital, like very well known, huge. Uh, pension funds too, like huge investors that piled into this this FTX uh, crypto exchange. It was you know it was a rocket ship, um, mostly because it was one of those. And, and what's interesting now, you find that um, the due diligence that was done was was nothing. It was basically like huge investment uh, funds are looking at their like they're saying, oh well, they must know something I don't, so I'm I'm in because. As it turns out, there was literally nothing behind. Even calling it a company is, is a stretch. It was there was no um, there was no accounting, there was no system for keeping track of anything. As it turns out, and then the fraud part of it is where he attached a trading firm, Alameda Research or whatever he called it, um, to it. Um, the the idea would be that any customer who put you know, dollars in and used it to buy Bitcoin or whatever crypto, just assume that their their stuff was there. And he just, he and others stole it. Um, they're still trying to figure out like what exactly happened. Um, but safe to say that like anyone who was a customer there or an investor in it is, is wiped out. There's probably nothing left. And probably it was, it wasn't like he went and bought like, 60 yachts and stuff, you know, right. he did a lot of that stuff. He, he, he most likely just traded it 
to zero and lost most of it trading it. Um, trading it's like crypto. Yeah, um, through the trading firm that he that was part of this company, and um, you know, crypto crashed this year, and he was probably betting on the other side of that trade, and um, it's really despicable because then when you start to peel back the onion, you, you see that there was like the um, politicians and Hollywood people and fawned over this kid because mm-hmm. he's a woke DB and he was promising to give away all of his possessions and be Mr. Altruistic. So they love that shit. And that's partially why they they had a lot of success. Um, he gave millions and millions of dollars to political campaigns and there's a lot of a lot of eyebrow raising now because it definitely seems to be a lot a lot of feet dragging when it comes to like prosecuting this dude bernie madoff was in handcuffs and in jail the next day and this guy's walking around he's going on talk show panels and it, it's crazy to see um so no charges have been brought against <laughs> they're no they're they're i think in fact there's a uh, there might be a um congressional hearing taking place this week but we'll see what comes out of it but it's really really um disturbing to see how this situation is being treated compared to other frauds Mm -hmm. because it's clearly just a fraud the guy should be in jail and who knows what's going to happen there um as i read the article all these frauds are all the same. Well, well, it is. It's you like it's I mean? like it's like if you're a gambling addict and you and you gamble away your kids' college fund. What do you? Most of them do. They double down and then they borrow from the bookie and then they lose that too. This it's is the same all thing. The same. They have like a hotel in the Bahamas <clears throat> yeah. where thirty people work out of. Like they're spending money like crazy. They're raising money like crazy. No one is auditing books. Like it's the same recipe every time. It is. It's the, the, the Ponzi. It's right? crazy to me. And uh, so I guess they hired the guy who is like a bankruptcy specialist who goes in and like f- fixes bankrupt situations and tries to figure out like how to untangle a mess. The, the guy that went into Enron. Yeah. And he goes, this is so much worse than anything yeah. I've ever Holy seen. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's just, you know, I'm reading the article and he's S- BF is talking about, you know, give us your cash and we'll give you like a 12% rate. Like every time you hear that, it means there's something wrong. If that doesn't exist, you just can't buck the trend of what, what the historical averages have been since history. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work that way, right? But we're in a we're in a little bit of uncharted territories, right? Too, when you think about crypto, because <clears throat> what you're referring to is is different. It's supposed to be different, <clears throat> cash, crypto, stocks, right? Um, and you know, there are people who are really good storytellers, um, liars. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not <clears throat> suggesting that he's telling the truth, but. Sometimes that's all that's all it takes is like a, a compelling story and a convincing storyteller and I guess for the regular people that had money deposited there because yeah. they were just gonna buy some Bitcoin and hold it or whatever. I feel bad for them. Yeah. But I love the fact that like Mr. Wonderful lost his investment on this because that guy's an absolute Yeah. You know what? And and I love the fact that he's you know, he, he looks really stupid here. It's great. And he's, and he, by the way, he's sitting there to this day defending this kid. Yeah. Really? It's crazy. But it's the, it's the normal investors yeah. who this now creates so much more like a barrier to entry for them to do anything else, right? Yeah. Whether it's crypto, whether it's stocks and bonds, like you've completely eliminated their willingness to put any capital at any risk which we know how how bad that is for their future selves, their ability to accumulate wealth. So this just sets any financial professional <laughs> trying to do anything good by anybody. It just creates another layer of skepticism, another layer of like, I don't trust you. I'm not going to do the things that are better for, that they'd be better for. Yeah, I mean, pretty bad idea to call it cryptocurrency it basically means like cryptic right like yeah. opaque and yeah. it sounds like it's like it is and a lot of people are very happy to see this 
happen because of the people that are like anti anti yeah um and I don't, I don't actually disagree with them. I, I just, you know, like, I don't know if I'm disagreeing with you or not, Meg. Like, I don't feel bad for those investors because a lot of them are driven by fear of missing out. And you don't have to be that well-educated to understand you're going into an environment that's speculative. You can lose every dollar you put into it. And they just, re- they refuse to believe that. No, this is different. It's crypto, man. This is going somewhere. Yeah, it might be, but it's going to be really, really choppy for a long time. So maybe you should just put a little bit in it and be comfortable with that and stop reading about all these Bitcoin billionaires because they don't, a lot of them have lost a lot of money now. Like, I just don't feel that bad for them. Right. But we're talking about two completely different situations, like losing everything because Bitcoin goes to zero in an example is different than being frauded out yeah, of your capital. Agree. Agree. So, and I and I'm, I'm with you about like the investment itself, right? We have to be all eyes open. You can't play stupid when you've made the conscious decision. But when someone takes your money for from you, that's different, right? You're playing in a space that's unregulated. Like the cryptocurrency yeah. space is unregulated. It's not as regulated as, as it needs That's to be. True. Well, I mean, BlockFi, which is bankrupt now, that was the, one of the platforms where right. you could deposit your dollars and they'll pay you 8% interest. This was back before rates even moved up. Yeah. And people were like, I'm moving my cash there. And it's like, you, you're going to lose it because yeah. that's not, that is too good to be true. And it's turned out to be the case. Yeah, I mean... What you just said, Mike, like that, when we were talking about that a year ago, it's too good to be true. You can't, you can't get, get 8%, 8% on cash. Right. right. You can't. And yeah. God, I hope you lose all your money. Yeah. I hope you lose it. Because you're just, they, they want to believe that it's different now. And then things are, it's not going to change like that. Yeah. Because if you can get 8% on crypto cash and it's secure, money markets won't exist anymore. Stocks won't exist anymore. Or at least like blue chip stocks, because nobody's going to like invest in a, Asset that can lose fifty percent, just get to maybe eight. get eight right. or nine when you can get eight on cash. Right, that's not going to happen. Drives me crazy. Obviously, <laughs> picking up from last week. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. It sucks. Like the the whole. Obviously, the situation. What people experience themselves personally, but then I just keep coming back to what this means for like anybody trying to dispense good advice like we've just created another layer of skepticism yeah. um, well you mentioned fear of missing out a minute ago and it reminded me because i've said this before like people talk about greed driving investment decisions and i and i agree for once with warren buffett and those guys who say like in all my experience it's not about it's not never about greed it's fear and envy yeah um, right the example was was really right on which is that like if you're if you're let's say you work on wall street and you get a two million dollar bonus and then you find out the next day that the guy sitting next to you got two million and ten dollars you're he's, he's he's pissed yeah mm-hmm. you know and that and that's really true it's very it's definitely like envy of what others have maybe made the crypto billionaire story um that's dri- driving a lot of people to to do this stuff um and it's a shame. It's it, the fear is one of the most um, powerful emotions there is, and not just in investing. Dude, I experience it. I mean, I know when this was all happening, and you're <clears throat> you're hearing about people that are making all of this money in crypto. Like, man, I mean, I'm in this business. <laughs> I'm like, right. I didn't get on board with it. Well, for the basic reason, if if it's difficult to understand, if it's difficult to explain. If it's brand new, I tend to, you know, I'm a conservative, a conservative person. I stay away from it until it's more established. And it does suck, Meg. I mean, and, and I, again, I keep saying this when all these topics we talk about, our industry is so unique this way where all this fraud can happen. And then it just scars normal people who should be engaging with good planners and good advisors and making good waves and making good plans. And like you said, it, it, it cripples them. And I, I can't think of any other industries that have these kind of hurdles for the professionals to overcome. It'd be interesting, interesting though, to see if anything happens to Tom Brady, um, for example, as a paid spokesperson for this fraud machine. Um, Because clearly that, I mean, 
the fact that Tom's in it mm-hmm. means I, I, I got to get in it too. I'm, they, I'm in. They probably won't let him mention it on Fox when he, <laughs> after he inked his $330 million. Somebody, somebody said he's going to have to work. He's going to have to pull. That's why he came out of retirement was because he doesn't have any money anymore. Yeah. Between yeah. a divorce and crypto. Yeah. Man. I actually think uh, Giselle has to pay him alimony. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, developing story still, but it'd be yeah. really interesting to see what ends up happening to the people involved. But what a massive fraud. Yeah, man. that's a shame, man. Yeah, the article that we referenced a couple of times since we didn't mention at the beginning, it's called They Live Together, Work Together, and Lost Billions Together Inside Sam Bankman-Fried's Doomed FTX Empire. And it was in the Wall Street Journal. Um, Movie will be out in 2024, definitely. guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So while we were prepping for this, Mike brought up that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is being remade. So we're going to spend some time today um, talking about lots of remakes and whether or not Hollywood is just less creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's for sure. Or there's a need for it. Yeah. It's either like a Marvel, you know, or some iteration. Yeah. Um, Which are fantastic, by the way. Or just like Fast and Furious number nine, <laughs> like a sequel. And now we just flat out remakes of, of movies that were one-offs that stood by themselves that they're deciding they just have to redo again. But now do we throw like the streaming platforms into this conversation? Because there's a lot of original content that comes out that's not remakes, these series that they come okay. out with. And those are all fantastic. I mean, they're not all fantastic. That's an insane there's a, statement. There, there's a lot, like, to say <laughs> that Hollywood is not creative anymore, if we're throwing those platforms in it, I mean, there's a lot of creativity out there. We are. They have to be part of it because it's Hollywood. But I think it's we probably see this more with movies than television yeah. shows. Okay. Yeah. I guess on, on, on the movie, I mean, I can't think – there are not many movies that come out. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's new and original, and it's not Top Gun 5. Right. You know? Right. Like the last, I think, three movies I've seen, four movies I've seen in the movie theater have been two sequels, which were superhero movies, the remake of Top Gun, and the remake of A Star is Born. Like I haven't seen anything original in the movie theater in the last three years. Now, I'm not like a big movie theater girl, but that's my experience. Yeah, yeah, so I think the sequel thing is interesting because like Rocky was basically like meant to have a Rocky 2 and a Rocky 3 and whatever, whatever, you know, all the way up to 5 because it's just that was the story. Like you weren't going to end it after one. Right. Um, Godfather was, you know, same. I would say same thing probably, right? Um, But the remakes... Like really, I need to see Will Smith and and Kevin Hart as um, Neil and uh, <laughs> what's his name from uh, then the John Candy character from Planes, Trains, oh. and Automobiles. Yeah, I forget. Like I will not be watching that. No, <laughs> no. I mean, the most recent Halloween was really good. I'm joking. It's like <laughs> the ninth Halloween. Yeah. It's, I feel like every Halloween they come out with a another new Halloween. one. Yeah. No, not not much that's original on the movie side of things. Um, I'm cool with it when it comes to the comic book stuff because there's always a new character that they can give him or her their own movie. And I love the special effects stuff and all that. I find them wildly entertaining, but like the story of them is nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like it's it, it, that's not what I'm invested in. Of course, like the the battle scene, like all of it's super cool to watch. But like I, I saw the black and the new Black Panther, and like they just created a new enemy to fight. Right. Which I mean, I again, I enjoyed the movie; it was entertaining. But like the storyline itself is a throwaway. So like the Star Wars trilogy, like the original three, like that was written as a trilogy, so it's okay to make three of them. Yeah. Right, because you don't have you can't do everything in one. Yeah. But like you lost me after the third one like i didn't i couldn't stand any of the more recent stuff is it more like director driven like i think about clint eastwood right he put out a lot of original content they were all very good right you have a quentin tarantino 
right? He puts out good original content. Are we just, are those types of people just not around anymore? No, I just think people want to watch the big spectacular superhero movies and they just were people who create things are catering to the audience that pays to go see it. Is like, that it or is there, are there like the, the drive to want to make a good movie, a Scorsese, to, to put out a good movie, does that not exist in Hollywood anymore? It's just, look, it's just too easy. Let's just make, I don't know, Daddy's Home 3 and just <laughs> – because it's too easy. We'll get Kevin Hart. We'll get Will Smith. And right. we'll make a, we'll have them tell a few jokes to each other. And then, you know, we'll make $50 million. Probably. I mean, Scorsese made The Irishman, and that was a snooze. So, like, you know, I, I don't know that, like, the, I don't know that, like, the tier, upper tier of, like, really good directors is different. I just think it's more the latter of what you were saying. It's easy to make money with, like, a stupid storyline, a one big star, and you get I, everyone gets paid. I haven't gone to a movie on my like on my own terms. Like, my, yeah. if, if, right. if my son's got a hockey tournament out of town and we got right time to kill six hours to kill, yeah, I'll go take him to see Top Gun, which yeah. But other than that, I loved I have, by the way. What's that? I loved it by the way. Yeah, I, I was watching a commercial <laughs> and it, it, for it, and yeah, it, and it popped up on the screen. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> So can we talk about the marketing of movies? Like it's how, hysterical. How is that statement made? Yeah, yeah. I think Hollywood needs to step step their game up. I mean, or, they don't have to. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're, they're they're killing it as an industry. But for my personal preference, I think they should. Step well, do you think it's a little bit of what you were saying? Like TV has gotten really creative, really unique. Like, is that where people are going? The 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 medium is now. Hey, we're gonna give them eight hours over eight weeks in you know one hour chunks as opposed to probably yeah probably yeah. like you know the, the audience that likes to just the older audience that like just like pulls up on their couch and hey babe let's or you know let's watch a series is that and and that's where the good content is yeah my 14 year old son right loves top gun and he's gonna want to go to the theater where i I, I, I couldn't care less about going to the movie theater. Yeah. I don't care about the bucket of popcorn and the loud music. Like, I just don't. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm old. So maybe that's it. It's like all yeah. the goofy stuff goes to the theaters and the stuff that has better content comes comes home. Yeah. Imagine all the bad scripts that are out there that we never see, that never see the light of day if this is all that's being made into movies. Yeah, like, there must be some trash. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So That's... from 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 trash to trash, some of the greatest of all times. You're like big on the segways today. Well, we I never think... segue. So I'm trying I know, to, I'm and trying to be... 76 new... episodes in, you're going to start adding yeah, transitions. It's, it's, it's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Segway a little bit better on the pod. Okay, top five sports records that will never be broken. I don't think any of mine are debatable. Okay. I don't think any of them are debatable. You want to start? Sure. I mean, Wilt scored 100 points in one game, right? Yeah, yeah. I have that That's one. Never getting I broke. have that one, too. It's yeah. never getting broken. I don't think Jack Nicholas, his streak of majors will ever be broken. But, I, but I think you're right. I agree with you on that. A 18. Yeah. No one's going to win. He has 18 majors. majors. 18 majors. What does Tiger have? I forget. Like 15? Maybe, yeah, maybe 14. He was close, yeah. Okay. But, but, but Tiger's like the next thought, closest, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Tiger's okay. the next closest. Um, Cy Young pitched 749 complete games. Dude, so researching for this, which I had to do, that is insane. 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 N will never get broken. No. Ever. No. <laughs> um, now, I, I didn't even know why it was called the Cy Young Award, but yeah, now it all makes yeah. sense. The Dolphins, perfect season and win the Super Bowl. I don't think that'll ever get Oh, I do. Oh, I that's interesting. There's more games. They play more games now. Three more games, though, right? That's it? Regular season, yeah. Then you get the buy, and then you yeah, have to win. Like, dude, it's a, the, the way that these teams break down physically, I, I don't think it's ever going to get broken. I don't think anyone's going to have an undefeated season, win throughout the playoffs, and win the Super Bowl. Okay. I disagree, but okay. And then Cal Ripken, consecutive baseball games, 2,632. I had him, too. That's Never. also insane. Now, I was alive, obviously, when that happened, and I was kind of a, I was a young kid. I mean, were you in tune with it when he was – so it would have been the end of it is when I was like aware, okay. I guess. But so no, it does. It didn't have. It didn't register for me at that time. But now, 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that impressive. <laughs> it's never because gonna it's get bro- because it's baseball. Yeah. yeah. It's never gonna get broken. <laughs> never. I, I, you're probably right. That and mostly because guys go on the DL for like yeah. you know a little bump or something. Well, and and I think today's <laughs> athletes just break down more yeah. than than the old school athletes did. They train harder. They they move faster. They play harder. They just they get hurt. How many seasons is that? Like, I don't know, fifteen maybe. That's crazy. How many games do they play in a season? Two hundred thirty-five. <laughs> one sixty-two. One sixty-two. So twenty-six thirty-two divided by one sixty-two. Four hundred and sixty-three. <laughs> okay, I did the math wrong there. Twenty-six thirty-two divided by one sixty-two. Sixteen seasons. I mean, he had two of mine, so I'll just give my other three. Okay. What two did I have? Wilt and Cal Ripken, yeah. The Warriors' like season record of seventy three and nine. Now the Bulls were seventy two and ten, so like it's only, like the Warriors just broke it by one. Yeah. But to only lose nine games over the course of a season, I kind of feel like is going. That's wild. Yeah. Can you imagine playing an entire season only losing nine games? No. You think they sit back and they're like, man, we. And think about those nine losses and like, we could have won those games. I think what they think about more is the fact that they lost the championship yeah. that year to LeBron. Wow. Yeah. Nine losses. That's yeah. crazy. Um, UConn women's basketball team, they won 111 straight games over three seasons. Yeah. That's, that's now, that still... speaks more to like the lack of parity in women's basketball than right. most things, but it's still crazy. That is pretty crazy. And then Rafael Nadal. He's won 14 French Open titles. Wow. Like, he just won one, I think, like this year at like 36. Like, he just dominates the clay courts. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think that's going to get broken. If anything, he's going to break his own record, and it'll be 15. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Just one particular major. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go to a backup here, but um, I got two hockey ones. Shocking. Shocking. Tiger Williams, 3,966 penalty minutes in his career. Wow. No one will get close to that. <laughs> I mean, unless they, they go back to like turning it into a goon league again, which they won't. I mean, that's Yeah, insane. the sport has changed. Yeah. yeah. What's like an average player minutes in the box? In I the, think in if, a, you, if you're over like 100, that's a pretty excessive okay. oh, wow. these days. In a season. In a season, okay. Yeah. Um, Gordie Howe started an NHL game at 52 years old. No way anybody's going to be playing in, the, in an NHL no. game no. At that, anywhere not. near that age. No. When was that? Uh, in, the, in the 80s, I think. Okay. Um, I've got a couple baseball ones. I also have Cy Young, but 511 wins. 511 no. career wins. How long was he playing baseball? I mean, yeah. 500 wins? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I've got um, Chief Wilson, 36 triples in a season. Is that a lot? <laughs> yeah. Triples are pretty rare. Yeah. That's like one every third game. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one every four games. And then I don't think anybody is going to touch Nolan's Nolan Ryan's 5,714 strikeouts. <laughs> you don't think so? No. You know, yeah, pitchers pitch, don't. You got to pitch a lot they, of. They don't, they don't. They don't pitch as long as they yeah. used to. That's what I got. Is Nolan Ryan your favorite baseball player? Yeah, he might be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is he an expo? Uh, no, I think he was Texas Rangers. Uh, I think he started out as a Met. Okay. And then he played for uh, Houston Astros too. For someone who hates baseball, I can't believe you had a few baseball ones. There's a million baseball records that'll never be broken yeah. out, like the old time stuff. All right. All Thanks right. Listen to him. Till next time. See ya.